Buzz Lightyear. How about Snooze Heavy Hour? (laughs) (laughs) Actual review from IMDb. No intelligent life in the making of this waste of time. (laughs) Oh, my God. That uh, is not that far off. No, I, I, I mean, I pretty much agreed. I, I skipped over the review where the guy basically talked about how his kids fell asleep and then he fell asleep and then they were trying to ask him what happened. You couldn't tell them what happened because it put him to sleep <laughs> So he's just like, I don't, there was a cat. I don't know. <laughs> oh, the cat, the cat was the high point, right? I mean, the cat yeah. was the high point. We are Spoilers Intended, a podcast about series and films. I'm Stephen, joined as always by Andrew. Hello. And Ryan. Hello. Hello indeed, gentlemen. So, yeah, we're we're talking about Lightyear this week. We are indeed talking about Lightyear this week. A film that happened. It it definitely (laughs) exists in the universe that we inhabit. There's no denying it. It It has made its way to Disney Plus as of, I think, this week. Oh, really? It's either this it's week or soon, it's next yeah. week. Yeah. Oh, very that, soon. that was a very quick turnaround. I wonder why. Other, other TV studios need to follow that up by releasing films like, you know, Top Gun Maverick on streaming <laughs> no, much faster. No. than They're still making billions of Tom, dollars. Tom Cruise like, is yeah. still having fun just making money off of the theaters. I know. Yeah, he's racking it up. It just makes me sad. It's already passed uh, Titanic as Paramount's biggest performer, I think. It, it is. Yeah. But we're not here for are, Top Gun. not here for Top Gun. <laughs> we are here for Lightyear, courtesy of Disney and Pixar 2022's release. A prequel, but also a sequel, but also a different universe of Toy Story. Yes. Thank you for that, Pixar. We really, really needed that. I'm just glad it wasn't confusing for kids or anything. No, you know? not in the least. No, very straightforward yeah. storyline. Very easy to follow. I Great de- joke. I definitely yeah. did not scroll through just a incredible amount of like five out of 10 and four out of 10 reviews that were like, my kids just didn't get it. <laughs> it I don't really know who the movie was for, but we're going to get into well, we're, that. We're going to get into that. But first, something that Lightyear definitely was, was a science fiction film or an attempt at science fiction. It was science fiction. It was science fiction. Yeah. yeah I, I, I actually felt like it was almost a better high concept sci-fi. It was. In a lot of ways than, mm-hmm. than a kid's movie. So building off that, we're going to talk about maybe some, some science fiction premises that we like. Premises. Premises. I don't, I don't Premise know. Premise I, I believe is. I, Prem- <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I even know no if idea. there's a. a Premises. Uh, Premises. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, some science fiction concepts that we like that we have seen in other media. And I'm going to let Ryan go first because I'm really curious. I'll, I'll jump going. off here. Okay. We didn't discuss this pre, pre-show. No. So I don't know. You might be taking mine. Maybe I wrote some backups just in case. <laughs> so my sci-fi premise, my favorite sci-fi premise is the mind heist made popular by movies like Inception. Okay. Okay. Movies yeah. like uh, anime movies like Paprika. Oh, yeah. Uh, to an extent, Ghost in the Shell. We're mm-hmm. like, yep, yep. you know, even Blade Runner like yeah. with some implanted memories, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. type stuff. So yeah, like, Blade Runner has like a couple different. Um, sci-fi premises that I, premises that oh, I, yeah. that I'll, I'll hit on here. Premises. Premises. <laughs> I like premises. We're sticking with that one. But yeah, like I, I feel like when I first saw Inception, I was just like, man, what a crazy like idea that like you're you know going in, you're either leaving you know uh, a memory or you're like planting ideas or you're mm-hmm. stealing information and just 
I don't feel like that idea has been explored enough in science fiction in a lot of the stuff that I've seen. It's, I think it's definitely a harder concept for one for viewers to grasp, but then it's, but it's also a harder concept to write for. Sure. Because there's, yeah. there's so many layers that if you, assuming that you want to write it correctly, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you want to have an engaging story because it, it's definitely one of those sci-fi things. I, I really like it too. It's, it's a really cool concept. Like Paprika is probably one of my favorite. Yeah. Just overall anime films just because it, it's so out there. Oh, yeah. And you like and you never really know if you're in reality or you're in the dream or, you know, yeah. and th those kind of movies are always really fun. Yeah. Right, Even that's fair. Yeah. Do you have anything to add? Do I have anything to add? To that? <laughs> I don't know. I think I was just gonna like mind jacked right there. I mean, there. have you seen I think Inception? he just got incepted. I actually have not seen Inception. Oh, and oh, you, wow. I know you haven't seen Paprika. I have not. I have seen Ghost in the Shell. Well, that's a start. That's a start. Well, I, this concept is, is, I won't say it's common. I mean, a lot of what we're going to hit on, right, are kind of almost sci-fi tropes or, or, yeah. or recurring themes. So the idea of kind of like the mind projection or, or altering perception mm -hmm. or, or even just straight inhabiting. I mean, you look at everything everywhere all at once, right? And that's essentially you are inhabiting or making use of other memories. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. true yeah. So it's the same concept. You, you see it flow. I like seeing different plays on it, right? Yeah. Because uh, like Ghost in the Shell, you're going from almost a straight up a digital play of it where you're being you're jacked into a system and it's taking control I and mean, even like the matrix matrix, right? the matrix is kind of like that is sensory substitution essentially yeah mm -hmm. uh, it's the same kind of concept you're not really you're not inhabiting someone else you're just you unless i guess you're the agents and you're taking over people but whatever does that make sword art online a mind heist oh oh because uh, it, it, it's replacing <laughs> uh, what is what you're what you're uh, perceiving and putting it in your brain a bit yeah i don't mean, like augmented reality <laughs> virtual it's reality. more like ar yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a bit of a stretch. Yeah. I mean, Matrix, you were physically, you were, you were physically plugged in. This sort of, you just take the headset off, right? Or? Well, but they can't take the headset off. Otherwise it fries their brain. Oh, well, okay. And their account gets deleted probably. Yeah, they, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I haven't, <laughs> I don't yeah, I haven't seen it. You, you're they, really not missing out on a lot. They stole that concept from, uh, from Tom Clancy. From, from what I understand, people do artwork about swords online and share it with each other. Is this the, <laughs> it's just the big image is. board. It's, where, yeah. It's just, a, it's, uh, <laughs> Like a big thread. It's just, it's, yeah. it's just Here's a, a sword I drew. A small sub sub community on DeviantArt. And they're locked <laughs> into it forever. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm going to go. Go yep. for it. Uh, so Lightyear actually kind of took what my initial I mean, trope was. I well, no, 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 because I have another one. But um, I love the idea of time dilation. It's oh, really yeah. cool. When, yeah. Especially traveling at, you know, fa almost faster than light speeds. Mm -hmm. um, gravity, that kind of thing from like Interstellar, Gunbuster, whatever. Yeah. Um, but kind I of the picked, apes, you know. Yeah, I picked dystopian, um, the ability to predict a crime before it happens. So and Minority Report. Minority Report, Psychopaths, mm -hmm. um, Blade Runners also kind of in that, yeah. uh, that kind of genre. Same vein, yeah. Yeah, so the, the trope here is basically, you know, there are these computers or uh, kind of like precognizant um, oracles that can can see this person's going to commit this crime at this date, at this time, at this place. And it is now up to you, a, an enforcer, to go and stop them from doing that. And then the, the real question is, like, well, is it right for us to stop them from doing something that they haven't committed yet? Yeah. Right. And I love the, the moral ramifications of that because, like, there are clearly evil people in this world that are going to, you know, do terrible things. And if you go through and arrest them or, you know, stop them from doing it before they actually do it, 
you have no idea if they were actually going to do it, you know? Well, there's so many variables between, yeah. Like, mm -hmm. uh, and if you're going from, like, Minority Report, which is one of my favorite Tom Cruise films, yeah, uh, it's a great thriller um, just because, you know, he's, like, trying to beat all this stuff where he's, uh, in, in theory, um, you know, kind of, like, framed for something that he hasn't even done yet. Yeah. And, uh, and just going through all the, the motions of stopping that from happening um, is really cool. I've never read the Philip K. Dick book that it's based off of, mm -hmm. Minority Report, but like a lot mm -hmm. of stuff like Blade Runner and stuff, I've read a couple of the short stories that they've turned into stuff. And it's always like, there was a nugget here, but they really fleshed it out. And I wonder about Minority Report yeah. if they like, they really mm -hmm. beefed it up or how, it. how much the story was already there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or if you, they, they just completely butchered it and it was right, yeah. so much better <laughs> concept on book. Yeah. You, you uh, hit like Starship Troopers, the book versus Starship Troopers. Like, this is totally different. <laughs> right. Uh, and a couple of honorable mentions for that, and this is more time travel at this point, but Deja Vu with Denzel Washington. Yeah. Um, it's not a great film. Wow. But I, I like thought about that film. In front. <laughs> um, but I like the concept of it, and that was yeah. kind of cool. And then Erased um, from 2016, it's an anime where basically a kid kind of has these powers to like basically go back in time and stop a murder from happening. And that's just kind of the whole premise of it. Right. Uh, but, you know, but it's one of those things where it's like, that's more time travel than it is actual, like... You he gets know, a little yeah. bit into that. Yeah. You, you get into some, possibly some quasi-magic type thing. Yeah, exactly. I just, yeah. I, I can't remember the name of the TV show. It's old 90s, oh gosh, it might have been late 80s show where the, the dude has just like an apartment. He wakes up every morning and there's a, a newspaper at his door, but it's like tomorrow's newspaper. And so then he tries to prevent disasters oh, he reads about. I remember you, you know what I'm talking about? show. Yeah. I, I don't, I can't remember what it. Because it's like every morning he is, opens though. his door and the newspaper's there and there's a cat sitting with, and the cat meows at him and like runs down the hall and disappears. And he picks up a paper and it's like, and it's like the, the actual intro to the show is like, what do you do with this? And the very first thing he's like at the race horse, out of the race course, you know, bet <laughs> on horses, you know, making a bunch of money. And then he's like, well, maybe I should do something good with it. But yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Mm. How did this cat print this paper? <laughs> <laughs> Never questioned. It just. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so my premise yep. is, and this is, this is kind of something that you're going to see in a lot of sci-fi shows to some extent or sci-fi movies, books, et cetera, to some extent is the concept of systems of control that follow a logical path to lose control. Okay. So 2001, a space odyssey. Okay. Uh, Jurassic Park is another style where you hit the point where in order to recover the system, we have to shut the system down. Well, this leads to another chain of events, right? Yeah. Uh, Michael Crichton is really big on this of complex systems and attempting to force control over complex systems with other complex systems. Yeah. And the potential for failure in it. Well, and, you know, Jeff Goldblum. Um, Chaos theory. So lovingly says, you know, <laughs> life finds a way. Life, uh. Finds a way. You got to have the pause. You got to have a pregnant <laughs> pause. <in there>. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty common thing that shows up in a yeah. lot of sci-fi concepts. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think even, you know, Blade Runner to some extent has a bit of the, yeah. it has a lot of everything in it. I mean, of, the Matrix, I guess, yeah, right? Matrix yeah, Matrix is the same idea where the system spins out of its, out of its own control. Uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a favorite for me just because of the, the, there's always this very logical chain of events where you go from everything has been planned for, thought out. We have the contingencies, the computer's in control, not the human, no emotional decision. And then you have the one bad switch in there. And now this logical chain is a catastrophe instead of a, a utopia or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like 2001 is a very good kind of example of that yeah, where, yeah. where Hal is uh, just 
slowly watching watching you know humans do things and it's like actually I think I could do it better. Yeah, I'm sorry, I can't <laughs> yeah. let you do that. Yeah, but, yeah and you have a lot These of guys that, are lame. You have a lot of that concept <laughs> where we have you know the the we're gonna plug in the the ultimate computer into the whole city system and it's gonna prevent all crime and keep everyone health and then it comes <laughs> to the conclusion of the only way to protect humans is to eradicate them because they are irrational and, and create their own problems. Just a bunch of dirt bags. Yeah. So it, it's funny. Um, I started rewatching last night, actually, um, uh, the, the 1985 classic anime series called Dirty Pair, which is it's just oh, basically. Okay. I did too. Really? I'm not kidding with you. I just, I fired up Plex and it was Are one of the. Oh, it, was, it was at the top because he was watching it. Maybe it was. <laughs> it's probably it. it. Was, that yeah. could be it. Okay, so TMI. The, the first the first episode is literally about a a city central computer that goes haywire mm-hmm. and is like, actually humans don't need to be here anymore. Right. Or uh like iRobot, <laughs> the the movie yeah, yeah. iRobot has the same kind of theme concept of well, for your protection you have to remain indoors. Like we are going to control all all decisions and that kind yeah. of thing. And then, you know, it's a it's a logical system that you know, human aspirations would want. Well, I want to make everyone safe. And then, you know, you follow that logical chain and, well, this is where we end up. <laughs> so it's, almo- it's almost like the bigger theme is like hubris, like humans hubris to be like, so, we can control this yeah. uncontrollable thing I mean, through. I mean, science know, fiction is, is always, has some element of hubris in it, right? Uh, I, I think my, uh, my honorable mention is, uh, was gravitational effects. Mm. specifically with like dark matter. Uh, there are a lot of science fiction. I can't think of any at the moment. It's like series and- You say Star Trek. I'm not going to do Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> 2009. Uh, well, something, even something kind of sort of like The Expanse, but mm-hmm. not quite, where you have a limited solar system view because, so we, we know about, we know dark matter exists, right? And then a lot of science fiction has positive, well, what if, even though we recognize its effect on the motion- it's an uneven, it's not evenly distributed. So there are clumps of it. So if we send someone from here to Alpha Centauri and they hit a clump of this, well, it's going to alter their trajectory. And now you can't, you just die in space because you don't make it. Right. So suddenly all travel is limited to just within the solar system and kind of like, well, this is the only lifeboat you have, you know, in the galaxy kind of thing. Yeah. I, I love those kind of really limited scope sci-fis. Yeah. So anyways, moving forward into something that is, not restricted by things like dark matter and you can only exit the solar system, et cetera, et cetera, among with many other lack of restrictions, both <laughs> thematically, structurally, and other things. We're talking 2022's Lightyear. Uh, so I'm going to throw a little bit of factual information here on this one and see what kind of opinion y'all have on some of this. So obviously it came out this year, 2022. Yep. Uh, Angus McLean is our director. Uh, this is his directorial and writing debut, essentially. That, that he is credited for. That he is that he is credited for and and the main person, yeah. right? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if he's like a third or fifth credit on the writing, I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, he's been a part of Pixar's uh, senior creative team since 2016. So he's had a hand in a lot of other movies. Mm-hmm. But this is his his first go, essentially as the man. Yeah, the as as the top billing for, right. yeah. for creative control. So 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 we're going for kind of a a newbie in this realm to someone who has been here for a long time with the composer mm-hmm. in Michael Giacchino. Mm-hmm. I butchered it, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, this is his eighth Pixar film, among many others. He has a very long list of music. I mean, we could. Yeah. I mean, he's got both Incredibles, Up, Inside Out, Coco. No Way Home. Uh, no Way Home, Spider-Man Homecoming, 
Doctor Strange. He, he, he just a ton of things. Honestly, uh, he didn't. Uh, he didn't. Or he didn't have the latest Doctor Strange. Uh, but the first no, that one, was yeah, yeah, Danny yeah. Elfman. Was Danny yeah, I was going to say Danny Elfman. Yeah. So box office as of the twenty fifth of July, it has made two hundred and fifteen million worldwide. That is really low. Yes, especially for a Pixar film. For a Pixar film, that feels low. low. Yeah. That's that's 117 million of that is domestic. Ooh, on a 200 million dollar budget. I was gonna say, what do you know the budget? Okay, a, so they, a, they've basically maybe broke even, no, but not even on the no, marketing side. No, they have. Yeah. yeah, marketing. You figure it's anywhere from double to half of the production. So somewhere in there. So anywhere from 300 to 400 million. Essentially, was yeah. for marketing. Right. For, right. Well, well. The total, so $200 million budget. So it's anywhere from half that, so $100 million, to you double it. I guess it's, I didn't do a great analogy there. Yeah. Well, may, maybe <laughs> maybe that's why it's coming on Disney Plus so quickly is because they need people to go watch it. Is it going to add subscribers? Well, that's the only metric that they get money from. I feel like I looked at it, and it's the same release window that um, Multiverse of Madness had. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, never mind. I think they're I just on a, t- like, uh, most places it's like 90 days from theatrical mm-hmm. to being able to rent. Mm-hmm. Disney, I think, is sixty. Um, unless you're from like, yeah. yeah, unless you're Top Gun Maverick, and you're, you know, you're probably not going to be here till like December. You're just like it's ninety yeah. days from when we stop playing it in theaters <laughs> and making billions <laughs> of dollars. For we, we tell you, yeah, yeah. we're done. And it helps too, you know, modern movie making. It's all digital, so just pushing it over to like a, a streaming service is much simpler than well, we got to we got to make the DVD, we got to cut the yeah. mm-hmm. the VHS or whatever. You're not you're not making a big format change. Yeah, so. But yeah. So we're we're ragging on it a little bit here so let's uh how about a how about a synopsis yeah sure so while spending years attempting to return home maroon space ranger buzz lightyear encounters an army of ruthless robots commanded by zerg who are attempting to steal his fuel source fantastic that is the simplest Re- way you could that sum up this reasonably mess. encapsulates it <laughs> okay so what did we think about it well what we thought about it, and this is a aggregate score. So we are looking at this from five pillars of review. If you're familiar with this format, we have uh, rolled entertainment into the overall score. So one score. So that is going to be the spectacle, the wow factor, how, how well, in this case, how well animated is going to be a huge factor. The performance. So this is your acting on stage, or in this case, how well animation and voice acting are matching up. Your score, so your music, does it, does it support what we're seeing on screen? The plot, the story, that, that might be a stickler here. I don't know. We'll how, find how out. How well it was written. How well it was written. And then our entertainment value is also factored into the score. So taking the three of us, all of those scores combined as an average, we gave this a 6.5 out of 10. So not, um, not terribly impressive. No, Not I feel like it should be lower. I felt like it would be lower, but I don't know. Maybe that's just I, my, my, my perception. The, the, I, okay, so. Why does this movie exist is my question. That is a question. That's yeah. a, that is a great question. <laughs> and if we go by what it tells us at the very starting blurb, <laughs> that this is the movie that Andy saw in 1995, and it led to him wanting Buzz Lightyear action figures so badly that that's what he got for his birthday. And then we have Toy Story. That's the justification. Okay, so but 
before we start, like, really just railing on this film. We're not, we're yeah, not, this is going to rail. There are, there are absolutely problems with it. However, sure. there are some definitely some good parts for the film. There I are, think. yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, definitely. Um, I, uh, me personally, I thought that the the animation style, the CGI, and and just how the film was made mm-hmm. was actually fantastic. That yeah. That is what is helping the score so much. Yeah, I think because so, too. This was Pixar flexing decades. Oh of CGI. yeah, oh, yeah. And the the like the cinematography, like the way they framed some of the shots, mm-hmm. was really good. Oh, yeah. And again, like the 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 animation. Pixar does animation better than anybody, but like they they continue to like do new little techniques here mm-hmm. and there with certain scenes. Like when he's so, uh, in the spaceship, there's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff like with lighting they oh, do. There's the, really the reflections cool. off the canopies. Yeah. They they always find somewhere to push it, right? Yeah. yeah. And the, the the particle effects, especially whenever he's like going through hyperspace, mm-hmm. is just fantastic. Oh yeah. Like, that like, stuff was just like absolutely beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. Your, your smoke effects, your explosions all mm-hmm. look great. There's a lot of that that again, it's it's why this is a six point five. That is definitely doing the sure. bulk of the heavy lifting to bring this up. Sure. Yeah. I think it my my overall just problem with the movie is one of either two things. One, it feels like an answer to a question that nobody asked. Yeah. And number two is that like this almost at times, and I don't know the the history of the script for this or like the production, but like it almost feels like they had a different sci-fi movie in mind and they were like, wait a minute, what if we make this about Buzz Lightyear? Uh, that's kind uh, of how I felt. Yeah, when I, I was would watching believe it. that. I would yeah. believe that entirely. Where it, it, yeah, it did kind of feel where they had a really cool concept. Like, again, time dilation when sure. you're moving at like really fast speeds through space is a really cool concept on paper, and mm-hmm. I love it. And it just doesn't feel like the film that Andy would get hyped about from Toy Story in, initially to go out and buy the toy, but he didn't actually go buy the toy. He got it from as a gift. And then he got hyped about it. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's, it's I, really muddy. I feel like it is. just based on watching the film, right, any kid's toy coming from off the film would have been Socks the Cat, not Buzz. Buzz. Which is already kind of a weird miss because yeah. obviously they have to so, – so for just some perspective here, Buzz Lightyear, the action figure, the toy, is Disney's number one selling toy of all time. Single best-selling item, wow. period. So, like, like in real life. Yeah, real life. Okay. I actually didn't know for, that. Yeah. I no, when, I, when I looked this up, I was actually a little shocked. Because well, you think, oh, well. well Mickey Mouse. A Mickey, right? Or, yeah. yeah. Disney. Something. Pluto. Yeah, give me something. Like you would expect to be something. And it may just be that those are so diluted, whereas Buzz Lightyear is just this iconic. Mm. Yeah. And it's, it's you know, you get the karate chop action and you know, whatever else. It's, it can be a good action figure, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. So it's interesting to me that they pushed, it felt hard to market a new toy, which would have been, you know, socks, right? The cat. Sure. As opposed to Buzz, the toy that this movie presumably was all actually marketing. <laughs> well, and, yeah. and he didn't really do a whole lot of like, I'll say iconic things in the film. No. it. Mm-mm. He was probably one of the most like boring characters in the film in yeah. terms of like, like Buzz Lightyear the toy is unhinged and crazy and interesting. And Buzz Lightyear, and the, over the top, yeah, yeah and over yeah. the top, right? And Buzz Lightyear, the actual space ranger, is a hall monitor and kind of mean, and kind of mean, yeah. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> it's it's weird in that, like, if you were going to do this different take like that, like, why why make him 
less interesting than he is as a toy, you know, and I don't, maybe it was a doomed proposition to begin with, but yeah, I mean, it's a, like, like you said, it was a question no one's actually asking. Yeah. So it's kind of a difficult sell to begin with. Right. Also like with, with the title cr- sc- uh, screen, they throw up at the front, you know, that to just let everybody know this is the movie that Andy watched in 1995. They made zero efforts to make it feel like a movie from 1995. You know what I mean? Like that. Uh, yeah. No, it not feels like a modern movie in every respect. And they, they could have still kept the incredible animation, but just done some things that would have been like, this is what that, an animated movie in 95 90, yeah. would have yeah. done. Well, but they didn't do. That's why I feel like that title card was just tacked on at yeah. the end. You could have even had, you know, topical references. Yeah. That would date it to 1995, right? Yeah. Just, I don't know, we'll, we'll bring up, like, what, Bill Clinton or I don't know, something anything, like that. Yeah. <laughs> anything to make it seem like this actually well, happened and, yeah. Well, no, I think the thing is, too, is that you need, okay, so, like, me as a kid, you know, I grew up in the 90s, mm-hmm. and whenever I, I remember the movies that I really enjoyed watching that weren't, you know, like, just, like, Star Wars or James Bond or whatever, yeah. they all had, like, really just massive, like, over-the-top action scenes with, that were, like, mm-hmm. explosions and, you know, Stuff that wasn't necessarily like hyper violent is just exciting, yeah. and this film just didn't have any of that. And from from a a perspective of you know this is me now in my mid thirties watching this film, like I can appreciate some of the the higher concept sci fi sure, that they definitely. had in there with the time dilation and and a lot of the effects and everything, and it was cool. And but then there was really nothing else besides socks the cat that w- that i found very funny and i you know yeah. it's it's a cat i like cats there's like baseline i'm already <laughs> probably a, really you were already so, bought in before it even yeah, started yeah, yeah. exactly yeah well but i would i would say my my problem with even the sci-fi concepts presented in this movie is it like they're too complicated for, for kids, kids yeah. and they're not complicated enough for an adult to have like legitimate like there's so many other sci-fi movies that do this better mm-hmm. that it feels like, who is this for? Like if, if it's for the parents, like if they're into sci-fi, they've seen versions of the stuff they you know mm-hmm. do in this movie executed better. And if it's for the kids, the kids have no clue what's going on. You know what I mean? And yeah. so it's a weird, like it falls into that middle ground of like, I don't know if this movie has an audience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, sorry, go ahead. I, I was just gonna, I was going to agree with the, the concept that, that, as we discussed, right, we just brought up sci-fi premises that we're familiar with. Like time dilation is something – it's been around. Like the concept has been around for quite some time. It's been explored. Yeah. If if you want that to be your core sci-fi concept as a high-level science fiction movie, you, you need a new twist on it, right? Something different that's going to engage your adult audience. Well, we don't get that. And then the only thing it felt like that was there for the kids was socks. And that's just not enough, especially with Buzz – kind of coming off almost mean. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and socks was definitely the highlight of the film. Oh, absolutely. Like, I, like every, yeah. every scene that, that he was a part of was always really fun. Well, and it was impressive too, because socks is kind of playing a straight man mm-hmm. <laughs> opposite a straight man. Right. <laughs> style of comedy. Yeah. Yeah. And you still got some good jokes out of this. Like, okay, y'all like, this is a super stretch going way into just very, you know, flatline comedy. Like what's going on? Yeah. yeah, but yeah, like Buzz was just kind of a mean person the whole film. Yeah, like it was it was really weird. They just didn't. It'd be one thing if well, he's he's kind of very strict and that has a payoff somewhere in his favor. Yeah, and then it just it just wasn't wasn't. Yeah, yeah. 
This is the intermission for the podcast Andy heard in 1995. He loved it so much, he rushed out to spoilersintendedpodcast.com for all their other content, including Discord and Patreon. He even learned about the spoiler wall and got a spoiler wall action figure for his birthday. This is that podcast. Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed a quick little break, a short little intermission. If you didn't get the message posted on the spoiler wall action figure with actual spoiling karate chop action, <laughs> it is all spoilers all the time from here on out. And first up, we're talking about a highlight, presumably, of the film, The Spectacle. And Ryan, you want to take it first? I'll take it first. I gave it a six. Oh, my. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's actually, <laughs> uh, that, I, I think... I justify. That feels undeserved. Justify. Okay, I will justify. So, the six is because of the animation. It's because of the, like we said, you know, earlier, like the, the when he goes, hits hyperspace, right? Uh-huh. Like the particle effects, mm-hmm. the reflections, all that stuff, right? Great. Spectacle is fun on that. However, <laughs> I feel like a lot of the action scenes, the way they were composed, the way they were executed was very middling. It was not very like, Ooh, that's, that's a cool way to do that. With the exception of, uh, I can't remember the character's name, uh, the, the, the granddaughter. I can almost Izzy. Think, Izzy. When she does the space jump and then uh-huh. the ship turns. That was tense. That was like, ooh, this is, this is fun. Most everything else was just kind of like, okay, fine, okay, fine. Like a lot of the fight scenes like between him and Zerg. Mm-hmm. Those were not good. Those were not great. Like, so for me, the, the spectacle, like you were saying earlier, like when you think of like 90s movies and you think of like the bombastic, you mm-hmm. know, stuff, the action set pieces and that kind of stuff, this movie was fine, but like none of that really delivered it for me like I wanted it to. Yeah. So like, again, it was very pretty, but I didn't feel like it was much of a spectacle, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. I, I'm going to... I'm going to pick this up from him. Okay. And we're going we're to flip this a little. I gave Spectacle a nine. Wow. <laughs> okay. Because this is decades of Pixar having CGI expertise, and they flexed it pretty hard. The canopy reflections, any kind of explosion, and even, and I'll give them credit for this, because you said you know, the action scenes, may they feel a little stilted. Yeah. But if you go and you watch we complained about this, right? That it didn't feel like it connected to the toy well. But if you watch the way Buzz, the person, does his combat role, mm-hmm. Buzz, the toy, does the exact same role mm-hmm. quite a bit. Yeah. And even if the other, you know, the wings didn't really show up until late, the, the wrist laser basically wasn't there. Even if those pieces to connect it weren't there, they still had kind of the movement the same. Yeah which is kind of impressive to do when you're taking essentially what's supposed to be a toy and then pretending that it's a real person and they're imitating the same movements a toy is making. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I definitely, you know, it, it didn't top out here. I definitely dinged it for some of the action sequences feeling a little lackluster and, and maybe not so much action as they were just kind of meant to be comedy and that maybe didn't hit well either. That's a, that's a different issue, but you, you substituted my... 90s explosions for funny moments or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the space jump scene was really good. Some of those pieces that really actually felt like a real sci-fi moment, 
were really impressive because just the the like the camera panning out across the the chasm that she's jumping across and the it you felt the stillness of space mm-hmm. but still the motion that's needed within it and it, it it translated very very well so I was very impressed with those kinds of things yeah uh, so I'm gonna pick this up I also gave it a nine oh my gosh um, I told you I'm like, just very harsh on it I guess well no 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 that, yeah. that is totally fine um, you are absolutely um okay to give it a six yeah um i like so i put a lot of weight in in how they animated it how it looked you know that kind of thing and just Mm -hmm. like the overall like i like i really like the character designs a lot i thought whenever whenever we like whenever i saw the trailer for the first time and saw basically you know buzz lightyear in a fully you know full cgi rendered kind of experience that wasn't a toy i was like they actually got him pretty spot on like yeah. he looks like someone would look like that was modeled after a toy and it didn't look like cheesy yeah it, it, did, like, it didn't yeah. look bad and yeah. like all the all the side characters were really well done i thought for for character designs um i really loved all of their suits i thought the suits were really really cool especially the space ranger suits once they got you know all kind of in them mm. yeah uh, I, I, there's a lot i have a, other thoughts but that's more of a plot thing sure um right yeah and, uh, but, but really for me, the, the thing that kind of sold it was up until you get to the part where Zerg and him are fighting, um, all of the other scenes, um, are actually pretty, like, I actually found them exciting enough to where I wouldn't ding the movie for them existing, okay. uh, especially the, um, the kind of chase through like the Rocky, you know, spot. You know, where basically they're being chased <laughs> by the thing and the, like yeah. it's shooting missiles at him the, and stuff. The, the blasted landscape. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and that's a really fun sequence where the, um, I can't even remember the, their names, but, you know, like she's like throwing grenades and shooting them and everything like that. Like that's a fun sequence. I like that. And, uh, you know, it, but I also totally agree that it could have been better. I just feel like visuals alone, right? Mm-hmm. Just how well it's animated and how good it looks only goes so far with me anymore with Pixar because yeah. it's like all of their stuff looks great. It has looked great for a while. Yeah. Like, cool. I love what they did. Like you're saying with the, but the costumes, but I want you to do something extremely memorable and creative with those visuals, I guess yeah. was, was the reason I, I dinged it. Cause I got out of the movie and I, I had to really think about like some of the scenes, like the action set mm-hmm. pieces and like spectacle wise, like some of the, 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 you know, bigger uh, set pieces that happened because I had already started to forget it. And it was just yeah. like, I remember it looked really good, mm-hmm. you know, and that was, I guess, why I dinged it as much as I did was I was like, this looks amazing. Like the reflections that the, you know, the hair physics, everything's fantastic. <laughs> but what but, are you doing yeah. with it? You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, no, that's totally fair. Yeah. Um, all right. So performance. Yeah, we can, we can move into performance. Go. Yeah. I'll pick it up. Okay. <laughs> I gave it a seven. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I think, you know, Chris Evans is fine. I, I do think from a performance perspective, not having Tim Allen here hurts it. I definitely agree there. I would, and, yeah. And, and that's agree. not even Dude. just a, oh, it's not the authentic buzz voice or whatever. One, I mean, they hurt themselves monetarily with this decision. Like, there's no debating that. And we don't even have to discuss that here. Uh, but... From a, if, if we need Buzz to be strict, but also entertainingly funny, mm-hmm. Tim Allen is just objectively a better 
choice, I- ignoring the idea that he's the actual you know, voice of Buzz Lightyear that we know. Yeah. He's just better at that. So he has way more practice at it than someone and like Chris, Chris Evans has. Well, and, and Chris Evans isn't really a voice actor. Yeah, he's just, he's an actor who yeah. has a voice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he did, he did a decent job was, of kind of finding, okay. finding a middle line where it's like, well, this is, I could almost see them taking yeah. his voice and making it into what Tim Allen's voice is, but not really, you know? Well, and I, I feel like with, with Chris Evans, though, like, you know, he played Captain America, who's a very straight-laced kind of, like, Boy Scout-ish but, character. Yeah. Not, but not mean. But, yeah, he was more, like, to me at least, charismatic in mm-hmm. that role than he is in this one. You know what I, I mean? Well, yeah. so I think the problem there is that in the MCU films, he has someone that he can always kind of quip with. Play off of, yeah. Where this, Buzz is meant to be the mentor and the oldest of the group. Because, yeah. and, and essentially, like, because he's a no-nonsense character, there's no one else besides, like, essentially Socks that would, would talk back to him. Yeah. Be, because the other ones, they look at him as he is a uh, basically a commanding officer at this point, And like he knows better. He's been here doing this for, you know, however long. I mean, he's a, he's a living legend, right? Yeah. So at that point, like there's no reason for you to have a straight man that's his equal because there is no one equal. Yeah. Sure. Him. And, and you lose that because of the way the story is done. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Alicia Hawthorne would have been that character. Yeah. And she except, was. Except we'd lose her almost immediately because of the way the story is structured, right? Yeah. So it's just yeah. kind of a, a it, it's, it's the performance is lacking because the writing just didn't give it the space it needed, right? Yeah. Because you need someone to play off. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to steal all the points from everyone, the last point <laughs> Peter saw in his socks is the highlight. Yeah. Yeah. I'll leave it there. I'll let somebody else pick it up. Um, I'll go. Sure. Go for it. You can go last, Ryan. Okay. Uh, Back so, to the <laughs> uh, I basically have the same kind of points. I give it a seven. Uh, hey, Chris, it's the same I, score too. I actually didn't like Chris Evans at all as as Buzz. Not because I have any kind of emotional connection to Tim Allen being Buzz Lightyear. I just sure. don't think Chris or Chris Evans was a really good choice for it. Uh, and I know the reason why he was picked is because he is very entrenched in the Disney. Sure, he's, kind he's so of, hot right now, and, and yeah. Disney loves him. Yeah. Well, and um, I think the tone of his voice matches it, it, pretty close. It does fit. Like it's not mm-hmm. like it's so far off that you're like, why mm-hmm. did you get you know. Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah, you don't hear a super nasal voice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I did like uh, Taika Waititi's character. Um, nope. he, uh, he is a good, I think he's a much better voice actor than he is actor, personally. Mm. Um, and he does, he does a really good job at emoting um, kind of a lot of the funner, the, the more fun kind of experiences that the characters go through uh, or dangerous to them, fun for us. Yeah. And um and then I I can't remember the the girl's name um the not the not convict Izzy. lady yeah convict lady oh, um uh Darby Darby, Darby. Darby. Uh, I loved her she was she was such a good um secondary character for um, basically the foil for Taika Waititi's character yeah I thought so I love she's she's typecast right oh of course so Dale Souls is the the actress mm-hmm. uh she's her her big thing that she's known for prior to this is Orange is the New Black. Yep. As a, as a prisoner. Okay. So I, I, like just hardcore type cast apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, I gave it a seven. It was fine. Um, uh, really like just the supporting characters and, and, you know, socks was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me jump in here. Oh, I'm boy. Gonna, I gave it a five. Uh, I mean, that's, uh, yeah. that's still 
acceptable, I yeah. think. Yeah. And really it, it all came down to, I mean, obviously, you know, socks, the cat's the best character. <laughs> um, I, I didn't like Taika Waititi really? that much. Like his character was fine, but like, it just didn't, none of the jokes between him and the convict lady mm -hmm. ever really hit for me. They were fine. Like I liked her better than him. Like yeah. the, the, that idea of a character who is like, yeah, like a convict on this, like, you know, rescue squad is fun. I don't feel like they did enough with that, but that's getting into other stuff. But like performance wise, I thought she did a pretty good job. Mm -hmm. Taika just didn't do it for me in this one. Like it felt too much like they were playing it safe or he was at least mm -hmm. with like, you know, like his performance was pretty middle of the road. I didn't really like Chris Evans. Again, I, I would have, if, if this was grading just Chris Evans' performance, I probably would have given it a four. I would have dinged it even more just because I, I feel like he didn't bring anything to Buzz Lightyear that was better than, again, the toy Buzz Lightyear. We've, <laughs> we've gone over that, but like Buzz Lightyear, the toy is, is just such a more interesting idea mm -hmm. that when they like, okay, we're going to make a live action, quote unquote, you know, Buzz Lightyear, like they should have done something that was at least creative and wasn't just like milk toast. It was just like <laughs> the most plain, I like mean, I am Chris Evans. I said my line, I go home, you know, like yeah, it was, it yeah. was functional and that was it. I feel like the other thing for me with, uh, performance was that like the, um, the, the old Buzz Lightyear was like, uh, Brolin. Yeah. Like it, it was fine. Oh, just really? Like, I think yeah, James Brolin. Uh, yeah. There were just moments where, again, I feel like they could have done a little more. With, yeah. Like, you know. You know, he, um, old Buzz talked for so little time that I mm -hmm. kind of forgot that he was in the film. Right. You were already asleep at that point. I was not asleep. I did not fall asleep in this film. Like, but to me, that <laughs> could have been a crazy performance that you remember. You know yeah. what I mean? But it wasn't. So that's why I gave performance a five. Like, there was just, yeah. across the board, five. I, I think that is acceptable. So I actually, on the, the Taika Waititi, yeah. uh, Bent, especially since we just got a good example of him again as a voice actor in, in Thor, Love and Thunder, mm -hmm. as a uh, Korg. Yeah. And I think that that is the problem. He's not really acting. I'm he's pretty just sure, playing himself. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's just who he is because it's not really yeah. a different voice. And the inflection, the pay, like the way the lines are read are basically the exact same. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you can get, you, you can make, uh, you know, if you're like Patrick Warburton or whatever, you can make a really long career. <laughs> that, right. H, H. John Benjamin or whatever. It's mm -hmm. just, it's a risk because we have that moment when I, you know, when the the, the theater lights up and I, I don't look at the screen and say, oh, that's Batman. I just go, oh, it's Ben Affleck. And in, in this case, I don't say, oh, this is a space dude. It's, no, it's just Taika Waititi. Yeah. 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 So, so moving forward. Yep. Yeah. Score? Score of the score? Uh, I guess I start this time, right? Go for it. Yeah. I gave it a seven. It was fine. I actually did like the, um, uh, I like the main title mm, yeah. um, track, which was um, honestly pretty engaging. Uh, I would definitely recognize it if I heard it just out in the wild. Out in the wild. Yeah. Um, the rest of it was acceptable. <laughs> it was there. It, it definitely yeah. existed. It had a it, score. It had a score, um, which, you know, I'm glad that they actually used Michael's score this time yeah. in compositions. Like, it's always nice when, you know, people actually compose music and then they use it. Yeah, it's actually in the <laughs> film. Ryan? I gave it a six. Yeah. I think okay. um, I'm, I'm very similar to, to your take on it in that, like, there were a couple of tracks, like, definitely the main title and one other 
uh, track from early in the movie mm-hmm. was like when, when he's doing the um uh like basically just doing all like the repeat hyperdrive jump yeah. or whatever like that's a really that good song was track. cool yeah you can yeah. get the the repetition of the mm-hmm. where it picks up with the same sequence of events and yeah 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 but there was there was just a bunch of songs or a bunch of you know parts of the score that were just kind of like it felt kind of more generic space fare like it, mm-hmm. it fit the movie I feel like it fit the tone it just Nothing about a lot of it stuck out to me as, like, great. Yeah. Other than just, like, a couple of tracks. And even them, they weren't, like, anything I would, like, listen to in my car. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I also gave it a seven. So I, w- I would definitely agree. Main theme is distinctive. And I, I can't necessarily, you know, hum it right now. But if I heard it, I would be like, oh, yeah, that's from Lightyear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the sequence, the hyper hyperspeed travel sequence... The supporting music for that was, was, good. A, was a highlight. Yeah. yeah. And there were, there were a couple other bits where they made good sound decisions. Sound, sound decisions. I mean, there's, there's <laughs> sound, their sound <laughs> design was actually quite good. Quite good, yeah. Yeah. But also decisions of, of when the music hits and when the music pulls back, et cetera, mm-hmm. was intelligently done. Yeah. And again, we, we have, you know, a Giacchino score and we actually got to hear it for both the music. And like... I, I kind of rag on him a lot because he feels like maybe it's just because of all the stuff that we've reviewed more recently. It's just he happens to be the composer for it. He's done a lot of but stuff. He does yeah. a lot of things and he actually is a very good composer. And it's he's actually got it's not. Um, oh, wow. Williams. I just totally John, John, John I just totally blanked on the first name there. <laughs> Jack Williams. It's, yeah, I know. I, I, James Williams. I don't want to go out on a limb there. Oh, Johnny uh, Williams. But it's, it's not John Williams, right? Where John Williams is hired to produce a John Williams score. Yeah. And as soon as it yeah. hits, you know, oh, this is John Williams. His stuff is pretty well all over the board. Yeah. For what we get. Sometimes you just don't get anything. And you know, that's, that's a choice. But, but it feels like there's at least some variation in what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has, um, like, John Williams is, you know it is a score done by him. Yeah, yeah. And 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 that, that is not to say that um, I don't like his music, but you can definitely tell that a lot of his stuff is relatively derivative of what he's done beforehand. Sure. He's, he's become the temp music of composers where people are just like, this would sound great with, you know, John Williams score behind it. We should hire John Williams to make a John Williams score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I love John Williams. He's he's a fantastic. Composer. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, there, there's a reason why he's been around for so long. Not who yeah. did the score, but correct. Still, yeah. <laughs> plot, plot. Ryan, I'll go. I, I imagine you have a laundry list. So I'll let you get a couple. Of I, have things a, out. I have a feeling that we're going to start low and still end low. I gave it a six. Oh, oh wow. That yeah. was actually a lot higher than I was that expecting. Shocked, yeah. actually, now yeah. we're shocked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that w- one of my bigger complaints with the plot, I, like I said earlier, it's, it's too complicated for kids. It's not complicated enough for like actual sci-fi fans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they use um, socks as like a get out of jail free card, almost like R2-D2 a few mm-hmm. too many times for me. That, that feels a lot like Okay, the writers got ourselves into this situation. How do we get out? Oh, he's got a flamethrower in his mouth now. You yeah, know, and like some of those, it. some of those moments worked. Mm-hmm. But like, I but feel the like a little they, dart from the mouth is kind of fun. That was great. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they just did a few too many of them. Well, and the the dart from the mouth works, right? Because it was a callback. He's he's a uh, um a, a, a special needs help animal, and and you have the moment of. Wait, was that meant for me? Like, what did he open his mouth and the, the flamethrower comes? Oh, was that meant for me? No, it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. So. But the, the other thing I think that I dinged it for plot down to six was just the 
like, I think the emotional weight of the time dilation stuff didn't hit like something like the beginning of up or any other like Pixar movies. Like when I was Mm -hmm. watching it, they didn't give us enough. I feel like in between missions Mm -hmm. to like really let it sink in of the gravity of like what that would be like if you came back from a mission and now your best friend is married and now your best friend has kids and now your best friend has grandkids. Like, yeah, we didn't get time to actually deal with any of that and then it was done and we kind of moved on Mm -hmm. it it felt very weird to me and that like that was probably the most emotional section of the movie and it just didn't work for me something in the way that they executed it just didn't really it had had the potential for the highest payoff yeah but it was almost rushed to get to what they wanted to do instead of that being the payoff right yeah yeah yeah, that's exactly how it Mm -hmm. felt It it was it was it felt like pixar doing an it was like someone doing an imitation of pixar not Pixar doing one of their own movies. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. They're like, I want to do an up montage. Yeah. But different. But worse. Well, we'll, 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 <laughs> just, we'll just time skip. <laughs> but actually time skip with the plot. Oh, wait, wait, what are y'all doing, guys? Slow down. Yeah. I think, honestly, it's too close to that up sequence where we are jumping through time, you know, like seeing the progression of stuff mm-hmm. well, to but, where it's just like you can't, when you're ever in direct comparison with that, you're going to struggle. Well, you're so always they should have done it a different way, I guess. You're always going to lose because there in Up, the way the time skip is done is it builds the relationship between the two characters. Whereas yeah. here, the time skip is is widening the gap, right? Well, and, yeah. and the relationship with them is already there. Mm-hmm. There, there is no buildup for the audience because they already have this long-standing relationship that they've been through all this stuff and, together that we've we never yeah. seen. And we get a, a glimpse of it, and then it's all gone, right? Yeah. 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 Also, I feel like these are minor. I just want to throw these in there real quick. <laughs> the, uh, what is the, the red shirt dude at the front? Featherington? Featheringham Stan. Featheringham Stan. I felt like it was a huge plot missed opportunity to not bring him back and let him be the old convict at the end or, <laughs> or some his, kind of relevant character, some right? kind of character yeah, that yeah. like his, his, um, his, his granddaughter is someone on the team and she's the one that buzz has to trust to help out yeah. mm-hmm. in the end, or he was Zerg or, you know, like I feel like there was a lot of things they <laughs> could have done. There was potential there. Yeah. They set yeah. that character up early and I was throughout the rest of the movie watching You're for like, like where, is right, he? where is he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or where's his descendant or where is like, there's gotta be something to do with, with, cause that was the other thing for the plot for me is like, what is the message of this movie? It's that like, you should learn to be a team player or is I it get, that you should learn to live with your mistakes? Or is it like, like, I feel like th- that was what muddied it for me was like, there wasn't like this cohesive again, because they didn't have the, like the cathartic, like callback of like, and now Featherington Hempstead son's whatever, you know, like <laughs> grandson is the guy that he does trust to grab the wheel. And then, you know, Buzz mm-hmm. has moved. Yeah. Also, we don't know, like Buzz, I think his motivations for like, wanting to finish the mission were very thin like we is he trying to get back home to see friends is he just like the mission is the only thing yeah like that that felt like a lot of that would have been more also the mission is the only thing but we don't really get prior to them landing on the planet right well what was the mission what was the mission yeah Yeah. it wasn't really ever fleshed out yeah there's a bunch of people on board and you're like so were y'all going to colonize colonize somewhere because we're here now. You're, you have a call. This is technically a success. We have a colony. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Fe- Feathering Hamston. Feathering Hamston. Thank yeah. you. That is, a, that is a name. I mean, it's meant to be. Yeah. That's, that's about the, the long and short of his comedic role. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll pick it up. Sure. Yeah. Why not? I, I gave it a five. Okay. Okay. 
Yeah. So, you know, uh, the, the weird framing story, I think, hurts it badly because we needed either more framing story or no framing story. Right. And the this half solution of a paragraph to start the movie is just weird. Uh, you know, it, it's it's also weird, too, because, like, the time dilation happens and it's a shock to Buzz, right? It's yeah. A, it's an emotional shock. But you were traveling at this hyperspeed prior to, like, you know this effect exists. They have a, a special needs pet designed for this purpose. Why is this a surprise to anyone that this is happening? I don't right. know. You know. Oh, well, you went, you, you skipped however many years. Yeah, well, that is that is a good point, though. Like, they were on a ship that was traveling at hyperspeed, correct? Before they... In theory. In theory? Or um, did we ever see that? Maybe no, they were. I don't, I don't think it was. No, they were. I think it was... They were? They were, they were traveling at that speed, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, because the, the, the same, other crystal got the broken. Crystal had the same yeah. effects. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it should be well-documented that time dilation it, happened. It, it is well-documented. <laughs> yeah. They have a... There's a different word for this, not special needs, but like a... A, a support... A support, yeah. Like an, an emotional, emotional support animal. robot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and, and like also, you know, we, we kick the plot off kind of, right? He finishes time dilation and he's back and Sox has solved the crystal equation over 60 years or however much time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And every, like every skip he does is four plus years, right? Every four minutes is four years. Yeah. Well, he's back from this trip and they show up and say, well, it's been decommissioned and we're taking your robot. And that leads to the next thing. You had a four-year window to decommission this robot. <laughs> and the day it had, just had, like, that's just, that's far too, there needed to be something more there, right? Well, I mean, in, the, in their defense, the robot was just sitting in his room. They don't have to send the cleaners in there. He's not in there making a mess. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, they probably haven't been in that, his, his quarters for four years. So, yeah. like, yeah. Either way, it's still just, it's too, almost too perfectly coincidental. Sure. Uh, my last... Minor nitpick. I'm, I'm, I'm really have just kind of been dancing around small stuff because there's just, it's, it, it's hard to approach this weird time travel thing that they did because time dilation is a really well-established concept in sci-fi, right? Like we've, we've, yeah. we've, we hit on that multiple times. This other version of, well, now there's a second version of you that's actually aged and now they're back. That is not a particularly well First, it breaks a lot of rules. Right. And maybe this is this is their attempt at putting a, a twist or a spin on it. But it's so far out there that it's into magic territory and it's really, really soft magic and everything hinges on it. And yeah. that's, that's a really weak hinge to put that much weight on. Yeah. Final nitpick. All the damaged robots return, right? They get zapped back. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. But the first robot that they encounter that becomes plot relevant throughout is damaged and knocked out of commission and not returned. Because the only reason it's not returned is because it needs to become plot relevant at the end of the movie. And they just leave it. Like, it just, it, again, we have these systems and these rules that they're operating by, but we just ignore the ones that we can make it relevant for. Same thing with socks, where it's like, well, he's just a Swiss Army robot. Right. Not, <laughs> not an emotional support robot. Like, the dart makes sense. The flamethrower is highly questionable. Well, even with socks, they could have <laughs> explained that a little better if, like, earlier in the movie, Buzz was like, so what do you do? You just, you know, do whatever? Among other things. You know, he could have, like, yeah, like yeah, hinted at the fact of, like, I'm not just a emotional yeah. support cat, but, like, they didn't. And then, like, you know, he just starts, like, getting them out of every situation. <laughs> well, with the with the flamethrower, I just imagined this, this robot's like, please stop resisting. I am trying to save you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I see you have a wound. Would you like me to cauterize it? <laughs> Your file says you're well, a pyromaniac. Check well, this out. And that, that's the thing is like, yeah. they could even just throw in a line there. Like if, if, you know, Buzz gets a cut on his finger and, you know, uh, Socks is like, hey, I can cauterize that. I have a flamethrower. <laughs> that or he barfs up a Band-Aid. That'd be pretty fun too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that's like a, it's a hairball and it's a tent of Band-Aids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, the, stuff like that would have worked well. I think a lot of it just still comes back to that problem of like, it felt like at times they were trying to make it simpler so that kids could hang in there with yeah, what's happening. Uh-huh. And then anytime they dance close enough to like, you know, timeline changes and like, you know, it's actually old buzz and that kind of stuff. Yeah. They couldn't get as nitty gritty as they needed to, to make it make logical sense because it would lose the kids. So that's yeah. where it just kind of like it falls apart. Yeah, yeah. It kind of falls apart. So speaking of, Andrew, um, I gave it a six. Okay. And um, my biggest problem with this film was that it was so mediocrely average for how they wrote the plot. Yeah. That they just, they didn't go hard enough or they didn't go soft enough. Exactly. Like it was, it's, it's one of those where like, you you almost had like a really cool concept film that would have been you know very entertaining for for people like me that that really enjoy sci-fi and yeah. really enjoy tropes of those kind of things of like time dilation and time travel and all these other kind of stuff and then they just didn't go far enough with it to where there wasn't enough concept driven pieces that that would really entertain someone like me but then you also you you're just alienating your kids, which essentially, you know, at this point, like Pixar is, you know, like Pixar has always been kind of synonymous where it is entertaining for children and entertaining for adults going into those, uh, going into these films. That's kind of what you want to expect and what you want to see. And unfortunately they just didn't do it. And, um, I, I had a really big issue with, basically old buzz just existing uh, because it could have been anyone else. Well, and it also yeah. breaks its own continuity, right? It, I mean, there's, there's so many weird ramifications of like having this older buzz that's well, been no, going through oh, no, no, time. No, 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 We're not talking about that. We're talking about Toy Story 2 establishes that Zerg is Buzz's father. Yeah. Yeah, there's, okay. So, so they, they, they're marketing these toys from the movie and the toys don't even actually represent the movie they're marketing from, right? Yeah. yeah. It, it, it was in this universe that, that exists. And we'll go even further with that because Toy Story 2 actually establishes that Buzz is just a toy, not movie merchandise. Yeah. And then they wanted to make this movie and they had to put the exposition at the front. And they yeah. just kind of... Well, it's and, weird. And, and, and to the, both of those points, though, like, I feel like if, if this movie had not been about Buzz Lightyear and had just been a science fiction animated movie from Pixar, it'd be mm, fine. Yeah. They could have, and well, that and someone who has a, a more deft hand at writing and directing, maybe, could have threaded the needle between, you know, entertaining for adults and mm. kids better. And I think when you make it about Toy Story and you have this obligatory title card at the front that the studio probably made them add, you get into that kind of stuff where like in Toy Story 2, you're, you're now yeah. contradicting stuff. You're breaking no, your written. own internal logic of the movie. You're, you know, like well, you're flirting with problems. Yeah. Now, now, just talking about Toy Story 2 and the revelation that, that Zerg is Buzz's father, all that is is literally just a throwaway to a Star Wars reference. 
Oh, I know. But, but now they own uh, Star Wars, so they can do that yeah. unironically and be but, fine. But at the, at the <laughs> time, like, it was just throwaway. But but it does cause problems if, for whatever reason, these characters are, are they're, they're sentient beings, obviously. But, like, if these characters have some kind of, like, memory of how they were, of, like, what their source material was they're, they're initially. Like, they, they just have a back, they have the backstory. It's printed on the back of the box. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. Is like, yeah, like, like there's, there's a lot of stuff. Um, but... I don't know. I I always have a problem with things that are kind of um, nebulous of like the the final solution is just try harder. Yeah, right. Especially when you've already been shown to be, well, the efforts you've been putting forth have been not just that you're falling a little short of the mark, but like failing grades. This, yeah. is, this is going to the kid that's, that's putting up Fs and Ds and saying, well, if you try harder, you can get an A. Yeah, well, and and that's kind of the thing is like a lot of the stuff that that like the supporting characters and the essentially trainees kind of like accomplish, like some of it feels earned and then a lot of it doesn't. Yeah. To where you're just kind of like, well, you had no skill at this before now Mm -hmm. and now you succeeded immensely. (laughs) Despite yourselves. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I don't know. Like. Mostly they just, I just don't think they went hard enough in either direction. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and, you know, either make it a lot more campy, like the, the, the mid 2000s or early 2000s Buzz Lightyear cartoon. Cartoon. Show. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, honestly, I mean, it was a fine show. Yeah. I watched yeah. a couple episodes yeah, of it. it. Fine. And, and that's, you know, and that was where the, you know, like the persona of, of Buzz Lightyear kind of came, you know, or what they kind of moved him into mm-hmm. from the show or from the movies to the show. And this just felt like it was such a deviation from that because, and this is another problem too, and there's more entertainment at this point, but I, I really don't like stuff or like basically like prequels that are like, oh, how did he get the jetpack? Or, oh, yeah. How Gosh. Did, you know, how did he learn to use his laser beam? You know, and it's yeah. like, we don't he, need to know that. He just got I his don't need iconic to see. gun. You f- saw it happen on screen. It's like, I didn't, I don't need to know. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't need see to see how the sausage is made. I just want to eat the sausage. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Well and, cooked sausage. Sure. Do people yeah. eat medium rare or rare sausage? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, saying, I don't need to see how it's made. I just need to know that it's cooked and ready to go. Right? Like, <laughs> I want a pound of your raw sausage. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> wow. There's a half-made <laughs> joke in there somewhere and uh, it's just not quite it's, It hasn't formed yet. Yeah. Just like this movie's plot. Yeah. Moving on to entertainment, Andrew. Uh, I gave entertainment a seven. Okay. Um, wow, so that's, it, that's it, high. Well, I pushed Higher it up than I because I like socks a lot. I okay. thought the the film was visually entertaining, but again, I kind of have a problem with stuff where it's kind of like that weird like prequel territory where they're just they're kind of like, oh well, they're not in any of the iconic stuff that you're used to them seeing yet. This is how they get it, right? And then he gets it at the very end, and the toy that comes out has all of these things on it instead of you know like actual buzz for ninety five percent of the movie. Yeah, yeah, problems. Yeah, I and. And honestly, I think probably the biggest problem with me, and this is more just, it feels very arrogant of Pixar as a studio to to have the title card at the beginning of like, this is the movie that that Andy was a, a rabid fan of as a kid. And he, he decked out his entire well, room with wallpaper and, and, again, and 
sheets and Kid, posters. Hated this movie. Yeah, <laughs> again, to go back to their continuity issues, they failed on that one too. Yeah, because the, he didn't even buy the, the toy. The title card says he bought the toy. It was a surprise birthday gift from his mother. Pixar, you made this movie. How do you not know what the plot of Maybe the movie Pixar is? doesn't have a login to Disney Plus and they can't just rewatch <laughs> the first Toy Story. I don't know. Um, okay, yeah, but I'm, I, I don't want to rail on it because I, I really did enjoy the movie most of the time. Yeah. It just... There's, there's a lot of, like, you know, plot elements that really kind of took it out. Well, then let me me. jump in because I really didn't enjoy it. I'm going to let you have the last word. Hold on. Okay, go for it. (laughs) I I gave it a six. A lot of the same reasons. Socks was was a highlight. Yeah. And, again, to to harp on whatever continuity there is, if if any kid saw that movie and it was their favorite movie, the toy they would have gotten would have been Socks. Sure. Period. Absolutely. Because way better than Buzz, just period. Yeah. Uh, and again, it we we've beat on this a lot. It's a movie that just didn't know what its target audience was, and it may very well be that it was like we had this cool sci-fi plot, and then they just went in and stickered Buzz over it yeah. to like make it. Well, let's you know, let's get a tie-in. We need to we need to you know get uh, an iconic Disney character. Oh, oh, Buzz Lightyear, he's in space. Oh yeah, perfect. Well, we'll and yeah. then that made what they could do with it very limited. Yeah, and and kind of rough. And like, hey, you know, Chris Evans is up there. You maybe his voice acting isn't great, but if if it's just not Buzz Lightyear, then maybe it's way more acceptable. Yeah, then it, then it's fine. Yeah, or, and, or, or maybe more than fine than what what we got. Well, it it, it removes the the preconceptions that we expect from Buzz, and then we get you know what we got from Chris Evans. If it's just a Chris Evans character, then it's not there, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's 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 it for me, Ryan. I gave it a five. Okay, I'll never watch this again. It was fine. I might like <laughs> pop it on and watch like a couple of the hyper, you know, yeah. space or speed scenes a couple times. I might like skim through it. But like for me, it was this movie took itself way too seriously. Right. Like this. If you look at like the Buzz Lightyear action figure and like in the first Toy Story, the idea of like the kind of stuff he says with his karate chops and all yeah. that kind of stuff. It mm-hmm. feels like it didn't come from a serious movie that came yeah, out in 1995. Came from like a cartoon. It felt like it came out of a cartoon, right? And so I feel like they missed the mark from the get. Again, I don't know what the origin of it was. It mm-hmm. could have been a different sci-fi story that they then slapped Buzz Lightyear onto because they were afraid it wasn't going to make hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. And then ironically, it still didn't make hundreds, you know. <laughs> they, they, they went the money from one they wanted mind field to, to a different mind field. Right, yeah. But I, I just think at the end of the day, like everything was just fine. Everything was like, okay, five out of 10. That's why I gave it a five. Cause every time I thought about entertainment, I was just like, there's no, there wasn't any big comedy that really hit for me. No, the emotional, exceptional. no, everything was just fine. Like the, the emotional scenes didn't really hit for me that much. Like to, to be like, oh, you have to go see Lightyear. You know, yeah. Yeah. it felt like it's in universe logic. Didn't make sense. The plot was, the reason I gave the plot a six and not lower was just like, it surprised me if I didn't think they were going to do like an interstellar style <laughs> time dilation thing. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to be like, oh, we just made a colony here because you messed up. I was like, okay, you've surprised me, Pixar. I didn't see that coming. I thought it was going to be more, you know, straight laced. But I, I really feel like if this had been a more adventurous idea of like, let's make a fake 1995 animated kids movie mm-hmm. and make it bonkers and make like, mm-hmm. you know, lots of comedy and lots of, you know, stuff. I would have enjoyed it immensely, but as it is now, it just, it is that middle of the road. Like it's, it's not fun enough and lighthearted enough to be a good kids movie. And it's not serious enough and in-depth enough on the sci-fi stuff to be like 
worth a, re- a rewatch. Yeah. Yeah. And you kept having to the to the camp idea, right? Because if yeah. you want to reflect the 90s, camp would have been a good approach. Yeah. And you kept having these weird, because it felt like a very serious film. And then you had like the vine that would just randomly show up and grab people. Right. That, that was 90s camp. Yeah. And it doesn't fit at all with the serious concepts of like we're establishing a space colony and we're doing interstellar travel with time dilation and <laughs> – your, yeah. your friend is aging and going through all these stages of her life and then passing away. Like, the, the 90s camp doesn't fit with any of that. Well, no, and, yeah. So to, to kind of talk on the time dilation stuff, I think one of the reasons why, because like we mentioned it earlier, about how it doesn't really feel as emotionally resonant as it probably should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they we just never got enough time with it. Yeah. So, like, one of the biggest well, things is... <laughs> Uh, so like in shows like Gunbuster, which is a 1989, uh, anime, um, that does I'll a lot of time violation, that. uh, or maybe 1988, I don't know. Oh, he's just um, dithering. Uh, or, or Interstellar, whenever there's a lot of time dilation that happens, um, because they're traveling at, you know, faster than light speeds or they're going close to a black hole, there is a massive difference in, um, just how much time that they basically allow the the audience to sit with the main character yeah. going over the the kind of ramifications of what just happened. Yeah. And, you know, like in Interstellar's case, like they will, you know, like they're like, hey, this has been 40 years and you have to deal with this now because, yeah. you know, the guy that's been sitting up here by himself for, you know, 40 years is now like he, he can actually like talk with people again. Mm-hmm. And like those kind of emotional levels Stuff just doesn't happen in, in Lightyear because they just never gave us enough time. Well, because yeah. it's a kid's movie, too. Like, that's the other thing is, like, how heavy are you going to get? Like, so when they have this colony and they're like, know, everybody's whoa, good. Whoa, they just made whoa, new families. I'm like, hold on. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Whoa. Okay. Up is a kid's movie. It is. Up is a brick house dropped on you in the first fight. You can 100%. absolutely do that. It just has to be well done. Uh, Gunbusters, 1988 to 1989. Congratulations. Yeah, I did it. Oh, give him a cookie. <laughs> Do you have the cookies? I don't have the cookies. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, it's it's those kind of things that, like, if you just give us a little bit more time yeah. to, to, to let it sink in, then you may have a really emotionally resonant film because now he is having to mentally deal with these besides just, oh, well, it was just four years of my life or, you know, four minutes of my life, four years of your life, but I'm going to make sure I do the mission. And then that's it. And then he just goes up and does it again. You just don't get these repeat kind of emotions that you should be building up with. Well, and I think too, like, again, to just keep comparing it to Up, like the thing with (laughs) Up is that you don't really see it coming necessarily. Like the, the, oh, Oh yeah, no! They, you know, they, they like, blast yeah. you out of nowhere with what's going to happen. This one, yeah. as soon as it starts, I go, "Oh yeah, so she's gonna just like die." Okay, yeah. You know, like from the <laughs> beginning, like they should have played around with the time dilation a little more. Have not made it exactly four years each time. Like one time he comes back and it's only been a week, and one time he comes back mm-hmm. and it's been eight years. So that then you it's have this like, works, but that's fine. But it, no, but like, <laughs> just, but they're using be, a different formula. No, they're the stuff. The fuel yeah, formula. yeah, they're changing the formula, so it's having different effects. Like. Then you can have that thing of like, I think we've cracked it. This You should only be gone for two weeks, comes back, and it's and been it's like, 60 years yeah, and she's dead. Yeah. That's like, oh, you know, like, yeah. and again, if you had more time seeing him and her interact and like how they, you know. It's, it's mm-hmm. harder. Yeah, it, it would hit harder. Yeah. They, they, I think the theme of it is if somebody that was a better director and a better writer with less studio meddling possibly based this off of something that wasn't Buzz Lightyear, they might have been able to make this work. 
Yeah, but it, it gives you a lot did. more room to turn around in if you if you're not constrained by having to meet up the standards of Buzz Lightyear. Well, almost every moment that was tied to Buzz Lightyear felt like the movie had to bend over backwards to <laughs> to fit it in to justify it. Yeah, yeah, but not enough because it still contradicts a lot of to- Toy Story stuff. So it's like whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, already on that note, that sounds like all the time we have for this episode. Until next time, I'm Steven. I'm Andrew. And I'm Ryan. And as always, every spoiler was intended.